0: Today's reading is taken from James, chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a big fig tree bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be
1: pack very much indeed. Uh, so it was Frank C. Bostock, uh, a world-famous lion tamer, who discovered, and don't ask me how he discovered, that lions were intimidated by chairs and could be made to do what you want by a chair. In the early 1900s, uh, Bostock bought his touring show from the U.S. to England And reaching Birmingham, Bostock and his team were preparing for a show when one of his lions jumped over its keeper and it pushed through a rip in the circus tent and it prowled off towards the city centre. Imagine it happening here in Winchester. One of the press reports at the time described it as follows. The lion went as free and untrammeled as when in his native wilds. The lion found an opening to the sewers in Birmingham, and for some reason, according to one report, down he sprang, looking up at the crowd of people and roaring at the top of his voice. (laughs) The report continues, as he made his way through the sewers, he stopped at every manhole he came to and there set up a succession of roars, driving some people nearly wild with terror. (laughs) The crowds panicked, obviously, and Bostock had to come up with a cunning plan. What he did was he put a second lion into a cloth covered cage and he sneaked the second lion out the back of the tent in a lorry. He then returned a few minutes later, blowing his horn with the second lion clearly visible. And the crowd the crowd immediately hailed him as a hero. The report says a shout went up from the crowd, they've got him they've got the lion Now, this sly stunt worked in Bostock's favor. Hordes of people attended the show that evening, blissfully ignorant of the fact that the original lion was still loose and was out prowling around the streets. Now, we're going to come back to Bostock in a minute. This section of James uses a bold and a colorful image to highlight the power of words and the power of words for good or for ill, but particularly for ill. What James is really doing, he's sort of personalizing the tongue. Now, James has already led a trail for us. So in chapter 1, verse 19, which we looked at a few weeks ago, he said that we should be slow to speak and to become angry. In verse 26 of chapter 1, he said that we should keep a tight rein over our tongues. So again, suggesting that there's something that needs to be controlled. I think we would all agree with what James says at the start of chapter 3, that if you, you, you do have total self-control if you control what you say. You know, some of us have learned lessons about what it means to be self-controlled in other ways, in fitness or in what we eat or what we read but self-control over what you say. Now, that is seemingly impossible. And uh, what James does is he he makes his point with real flair, and he does it in a number of ways. The first thing he says is that our tongue is tiny, but it is terrible. He he highlights how small our tongue is. Uh, Now, just have a little think to yourself. uh, How much of your body weight is your tongue? If you're a normal person, it's 0.4% only. Uh, and yet, in terms of the, the damage that it can do, it seems to behave much bigger than that. It's tiny, but it's terrible. Uh, it's a bit like a bit that controls uh, a, an enormous horse. You know, think about the size of that tiny little bit or the rudder that can change the direction of an entire ship It has a huge effect and impact given its tiny size. And James says, well, look, the horse is controlled through the bit by the rider and the ship is controlled through the rudder by the captain. But who is in charge of what you say and what you write and the words that you use? He then uses a third image, the image of a spark that starts a forest fire, a a careless cigarette that is tossed aside can set a whole forest ablaze. And James very simply says, so it is with our words. Our tongue is tiny, but it's terrible in its consequences. It's corrupting. It's spoiling. It's destroying. It brings poison and toxicity into our lives and the lives of others. Think about the effect that your words have had on other people, how they've destroyed or despoiled others. Think about the effects that other uh, people's words, uh, written or said, have had on you. Uh, The second thing that James says is that our tongue is essentially untamable. Now, we as human beings are actually quite good at training things, and Frank C. Bostock uh, did learn how to train a lion. Uh, This is how the story ends. This is literally taken from a newspaper report uh, a couple of days afterwards, and this is how Bostock describes it. He says this. He says, I was in a perfect bath of cold perspiration, and I knew not what to do next. So at once I asked for 500 men of the police force and the superintendent of sewers to send me the bravest men he could spare with their top boots and their ladders and their ropes and their revolvers... I saw two gleaming, greenish-red eyes just beyond, and I knew we were face-to-face with the lion at last. We chased the lion through the sewers by scaring it with fireworks. When it was cornered, I took off my boots and put them on my hands, and going up close to the lion was fortunately able to hit him, a stinging blow on the nose." Fearing that he would split my head open with a blow from one of his huge paws, I told one of my men to place over my head, as you do, a large iron kettle. But the kettle fell off my head and startled the lion, which turned tail like a veritable coward and ran into a rope lasso laid out ready to ensnare him. In his memoirs, Frank uh, concluded as follows. I will leave you, he says, to judge how truthful uh, my words were. I got the lion out of the sewer, as the people of Birmingham supposed I did, only their praise and their applause were a little previous. Absolutely. Bostock learnt, sort of, how to tame a lion. Uh, We humans have tamed many other animals too. I should think if we had a chance to go around the room, somebody here has broken in a wild horse or uh, taught a dog to surf or got a guinea pig to do karaoke or something, uh, and yet we can't break in this flappy little muscle in our mouths and we can't bring it to heal. You have probably tried many times. You've caught yourself thinking, why why? Why did I say that? What is what is wrong with me? How come when I open my mouth I just say the most stupid and damaging things? Lastly, uh, James reminds us uh, that our tongues are able uh, to achieve mission impossible. With our mouths we can accomplish things i mean it's amazing really uh, that that would befuddle the greatest scientist and would defy the laws of physics he says it's like finding salt and fresh water flowing from the same mountain spring or it's like going to your rose bush in the garden and finding strawberries dripping off the rose bush And yet he says, within the same hour, we as human beings sing praise to God, a true and sincere use of words, or we speak words of love and tenderness and compassion. And yet in the same hour, we also curse and we lie and we flatter and we deceive. And James says, we're amazing as people but in a bad way. He says, how is it that the same mouth in the same hour can speak poetry and potty? He says, we're amazing. Now, we're almost ready to hear James's conclusion. Uh, We remember, of course, that he is using a powerful preacher's image. He doesn't literally think that our tongues are self-powered troublemakers while we sit idly by. James knows what his brother Jesus said. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 34, it is out of the overflow of the heart that the mouth speaks. So, now, And since our, what we say or what we write, in a sense that's simply a weather vane for what's going on in our own hearts. And James says two things by way of application. First one is really brutally abrupt and short my sisters and brothers this should not be this shouldn't be and yet somehow we've grown to accept it and we feel quite relaxed about it the second application is in verse one not many of you should presume to be teachers because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly why because self-control of what we say is so hard and we as people are wired to learn considerably through words both spoken and written so if you have taken on any responsibility to teach and to share faith it is a big responsibility that we urge you to approach with humility because those of us who do teach in any way our words might deceive or they might unnecessarily offend, or they might falsely flatter, or they might set someone on the wrong course. We might use words to be boastful or to put down other people. We might be lazy and uncritical in what we say. Now, a church like Christ Church, we need lots of us to be able to teach and to share the faith in children's groups, in youth groups, in small groups, here up front. And many of you here looking around will share in that kind of responsibility. But we all, whether we have that responsibility particularly or not, we all need to be humble. and We all need to be self-aware and wise and prayerful, at recognizing uh, that... Uh, what we say has such potential to damage and to hurt others and to dishonor God. So let's finish by saying together this wonderful verse from Psalm 141, which is just a great way for us to enter the rest of our worship and to go out into this week. So let's say together, Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord, keep watch over the door of my lips. Amen.